Welcome to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. Brought to you by TwoWayRadioCenter.com, a Motorola value-added reseller. The Church Safety Guys is a nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping the vigilant, those men and women who stand watch, keeping our houses of worship and places of faith safe. We believe church safety and security must be a ministry first and have engaged servant leaders who continually strive for excellence and teams of motivated volunteers that are always training. Join us for the next hour as the Church Safety Guys unpack safety, security, leadership, and ministry operations with your hosts, Dr. James McGarvey and Mike Scully. This broadcast is also available on YouTube, your favorite podcast platforms, churchsafetyguys.com, and on the original Church Security app. Download it today. Feel free to like, subscribe, and share with your ministry. Hey, folks. So I am... Uh, Church Safety Guy James, and I'm here today talking uh, off the cuff, not in a broadcast, not a normal <laughs> broadcast, uh, with my my good buddy John Riley uh, with General Response. So thanks, John, for for hanging out with me today and joining me. <laughs> my pleasure, my pleasure. Good to see you. <laughs> so you know, we talk. I think honestly, sometimes we talk probably more than. Um, maybe the normal broadcast quantity. I mean, d- during the week we usually share stuff with each other and yeah, if something yeah. comes up, we're usually like, Hey, check this out or, yeah. you know, and uh, you're kind of my, my de-escalation friend. So a lot of times I'm like, Hey, is this, you know, check out this story. This is just crazy or, or vice versa. I know a lot of times you'll send me stuff. Um, See, that's why that's why sometimes it makes me a little apprehensive over the idea of going out and hanging out with you or Mike, because if something ever happened in a restaurant or something, you guys would look at me like, OK, John, go de-escalate or something. I'm like, dude, I'm trying to enjoy my dinner. Right? <laughs> it's funny you, you say that because I um, I always hate I've done firearm training for so long and I always hate when folks i love shooting right and i I think it's it can be great fellowship to go out with with friends and do that but it always makes me nervous because sometimes people come up to me and they're like hey you used to do those classes and then the next thing is like hey do you want to go shooting sometime and usually it's like okay so are you wanting me to put my instructor hat on and talk to you about you know what you're not doing right or do you want to just go shooting and enjoy it so um (laughs) i definitely understand but it's funny to me because um and i i shared um shared a little bit of the story on one of our broadcasts recently and then i i shared it obviously more in depth with you but um you know we've had a few folks reach out to us and talk about de-escalation and um, just offer some questions. You know, there was a, a question recently about de-escalation and verbal judo. Um, and then there was also uh, just some general questions on de-escalation and stuff like that. And I think, honestly, um, as it as it becomes more well-known um, in the practice of it, I think there's a lot of fallacies out there. So, like, today I just 
wanted to touch base with you and just kind of chat with you about um, some of the things, you know, that it is, some of the things it isn't, and maybe kind of clarify uh, for safety teams that are out there or churches that are out there that they're um, following a, a, a common misconception of, you know, how, how it works or how effective it is and that sort of thing. So um, I appreciate you, you hanging out with me today. I know you're, yeah. you're busy and you've got lots of stuff going on <laughs> where you are. But yeah. It's all good. Yeah. <clears throat> it's all good. So one of the biggest things and and uh, you had asked me to, to share um, how uh, really how de-escalation kind of, isn't just a church safety thing. It like transcends and goes into our regular life and stuff like that. And I've had a a couple of situations last, I would say probably last two or three weeks where um, it's helped me uh, because I've been able to say, okay, wait a second. I'm in this, I'm in this situation, nowhere near church, nowhere, you know, doing that. But obviously I'm in this situation that something goes drastically wrong or sideways with, you know, my perception of how that situation should go. And then all of a sudden I'm like, in my mind, you know, I, I revert back to, okay, I've got this little, I, I feel like it's a, a, a playing card, like an, uh, an ACE. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've got this card that pops up in my head and I'm like, okay, John Riley's ACE for the escalation. <laughs> right. so I start going through that and I'm like, okay, this is what I need to do. This is what's happening. But it gives me, it usually gives me the minute. What's awesome about it is it gives me the minute to stop, to refocus my brain and think, you know, okay, this is happening. That's happening. That sort of thing. And make, hopefully make better decisions. So, um, from that standpoint, um, did you want to, I don't know, do you want to add anything before I jump into my, yeah, well, <clears throat> yeah, that that ace card, you know, I came up with that to give people some some basics to to hang on to and to grasp in the moment, because you've heard this before. I'm sure you've probably experienced it. But in the moment of some type of stressful encounter or, or even a situation, uh, your br- your brain kind of goes blank, even for a split second. Um, and so what I tried to do based on my own experiences and training and stuff like that was to try to come up with something that was basic boots on the ground that someone can grab onto in the moment to avoid saying you're doing something that could escalate a situation. And, and I came up with that acronym that's easy to remember uh, to help people in that moment before you start shooting off at the mouth, because we've all been there, um, you know, reacting uh, impulsively or emotionally to a situation, just slow down and consider these little basics. You know, it's like slowing someone down. Um, and, and I've found myself in situations, uh, you know, I have a story to share too uh, uh, about what can happen when you allow yourself to become frustrated, impatient, or offended with someone. Um, there's so much that goes into effective and successful conflict de-escalation. It's not just three things that you say or do uh, or four things or five things. It's, um, it's, it's a lot that goes into it. There's no black and white, easy answer. And there's, there's a great misconception out there of, of what de-escalation even is, sounds like, or looks like. So. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And I definitely, I, I do want to get into that, um, 
a little bit further on what, and just kind of setting the stage. So if you, you know, if you joined us, thanks for hanging out with us. Um, mm-hmm. John and I both, we have our own separate uh, YouTube channels and websites and everything like that. But we do, we, uh, we do a lot together and, and that's always fun. I love it's, it's like the best part of Michigan to me to go from Ohio <laughs> to go up to Michigan and visit him and his, his family. But, um, you know, I, I, I want to highlight and I want to talk a little bit about, you know, like, like you said, John, what it is and what it isn't, because I, I get the impression and we, we both talk to churches all the time and we see churches all the time and, and we're always coaching and we're kind of always in that mode where we're like, Hey, can we do this better? Can we, you know, um, can we help this team by offering suggestions and that sort of thing? And I think for really with the, with the introduction of COVID and some of the mental health stuff, I think in our society, we're seeing a need for de-escalation more um, without a doubt, but the, the path or the, the course um, that a lot of times people take with training, there's a lot of stuff out there on de-escalation and there's a lot of stuff that it's almost like a quarter slot machine approach where it's like, Hey, I'm going to read this book and I'm good to go, you know, and no matter what happens, I'm prepared. And, um, and so that's kind of, that's a little bit like when we were talking, that's a little bit of why we wanted to do the video just because we both kind of felt like, Hey, you know what, this is, this stuff is, um, some of the concerns we see, that's not how, you know, that's not how this works. Like, you know, it reminds me of that, uh, that Geico commercial with the two older ladies that are, you know, standing there and they're like, this isn't, that's not how any of this works. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. (laughs) And I think, um, I think we've said that probably to each other several times, like, what were they thinking? This is not like, that's not going to be effective, but anyhow, so we'll jump right into it. Um, But for those of you that, that do follow us on the broadcast and, and whatnot, um, I, I kind of alluded, I think, um, I think it was last week. I kind of alluded to a story of uh, a car dealership where I went and, uh, did some research. My family uh, and I decided to purchase an, a newer vehicle uh, to us, and of course, you know, we did research and and uh, found this this vehicle. It was a great price, great value. I was, you know, I had had the the finances and the and the resources to just <clears throat> basically go buy the vehicle. And I hate car dealerships. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I understand. I'm like, sometimes it's a necessary evil, right? It's like you just kind of work through it, do the best you can, and and make everything as easy as possible. Yeah. Get in so, and get out. <laughs> yep. Get in, get out. So I went to this particular dealership and and my son was kind of bored that day. So he's you know, he's almost 12 and he was like, Hey, I'm like, Hey man, you know, come on, let's go. You can hang out with me. We're going to go check out this car and, and I'll get your feedback and opinion on it and stuff like that. So we drive to the dealership and, um, we end up test driving the vehicle, like the vehicle, uh, everything was good with it. Um, so we were like, Hey, moving forward, we're going to purchase it. And that was probably the, the last best thing that happened in that situation, because honestly, 
Um, three hours later, I was I was leaving the dealership with the vehicle and literally kept sitting there in the in the chair talking to the salesperson and saying, hey, I just want the out the door price. I just want to write you a check. I just want to yeah. go home. Can we do that? Simple, <laughs> simple, <laughs> simple steps. And I just kept going in this this whole, you know, big circle. So finally. He's like, yeah, okay, we got everything done, got all the paperwork done, got you know the state stuff done. I'm leaving with the vehicle. I get about halfway home, and I live on the other side of, of Columbus from where this dealership is, so it's probably a 40-minute drive. And I just about get home, and, and something was nagging me in my mind to, to um, reread some of the paperwork. And so I pull in, I, I go go into my office where I am now. I sit down, start looking through some of the documents I signed. And I realized at that point that um, they had asked for a down payment. I had agreed to a down payment, but I never gave them the down payment. And so in the hustle, you know, the dealership was closing. They were hustling. I get it. They were like, all right, get them in, get out. Okay, we sold the vehicle. The other thing I noticed was the title paperwork that needs to go to the state uh, of Ohio was uh, done incorrectly. And so looking through it, I was like, okay, we need to get this fixed. Otherwise, you know, the bank's not going to get the title. You know, I'm not going to get, you know, the information I need to take to the state to register my vehicle and this whole cascade of things. So I sat down and I sent one of the managers an email and I said, very polite, just said, hey, bought the vehicle. It was it was great. The experience took a little while, but we're done. I love the vehicle. Let's, you know, let's see. If, can we fix this? Is there any way possible? Um, because, you know, this isn't right. So the next morning, the, the salesperson calls me and uh, just right away, and, and I knew, you know how you, you look at your phone. Yeah. You're laughing. Cause you know where I'm going with this. You're like, I'm like, should I answer this call or, and I was in the middle of, of work and something. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll answer it. I should never have answered it. That was, that was my first, my first thing. But so I answer the phone. It's the salesperson. And right away he says, Hey, I need you to give me that money. And I'm like, okay, wait a second. I'm like, you know, this isn't a me giving you the, the, just giving you the money. I'm like, we've got a couple of things we need to fix. We need to fix the paperwork, et cetera, et cetera. And so he, um, at that point, he's like, well, I need you to come in right now and give us the down payment. Well, according to Ohio law, and I, I noticed this on the, the contract I signed, which I, I never knew. And I, I noticed it before and I was like, wow, that's, that's interesting. Under Ohio law, you have 21 days to provide down payment for the vehicle. Hmm. So if you don't do it that day, you're protected by law. So in a sense, if, and that's kind of their lemon thing. Like if I got got at home and found that the vehicle, there was something wrong, right. the dealership didn't close, right. then I could go back and say, okay, wait a second, let's renegotiate this. Let's fix this. Let's do something different. So I knew I had 21 days, so I wasn't worried about it. And obviously I had the money that, you know, I, I agreed to, and I, I told them, you know, I'm going to pay this as a down payment. 
So I, I said, well, hang on a second. I said, I can't drop what I'm doing right now. And I said, in fact, I answered the phone as a courtesy. Could I call you back in a little while? Well, he's like, he just glazed, the salesperson just glazed right over that. And he's like, no, I need the money now. I need you to be able to tell me right, you know, come to the dealership right now. And I'm like, what in the world are you talking about, guy? I'm like, there is no way. I'm in the middle of work. I'm not going to drop what I'm doing. Yeah, drop what I'm doing right now and and zip up to the dealership. So I said, here's what here's what I can do. I said, I can, um, tomorrow's Wednesday. I go into my office. My office is halfway there to the dealership. I said, I'm happy to come by your office, by the dealership after I'm done, about three o'clock in the afternoon. I'll write you a check. Everything will be fine. We can get the paperwork done and we'll both be both be good. Well, I think something at that point kind of like set him off with that because he just like went off the deep end with now, you know, this is not, you know, this isn't what we're going to do. We're going to do this. You need to get in here. You need to pay. You need to. And, and then it escalated to the point of, you know, he started talking over me um, and I could tell as soon as he started talking, he wasn't listening. And, you know, it was like, okay, I'm going to have to do something to get his attention to draw him back in so that he actually listened to me. So we're, you know, he's, he's just going on. Like I had him on speakerphone. He's like chattering away. And I finally said, he's like, well, he's like, I need you. He's like, if you can't come in right now, he's like, you need to give me your credit card info over the phone. And I'm like, okay, well, I can do that, but I don't have my wallet. He said, um, can you hang on a second so I can help you, you know, help you out and do this? And he's like, no, I need it now. And as soon as he said that, you know, something in my brain snapped. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I'm going to stop. And I said this to him, I said, I'm going to stop you right there. And that was the first time in the next five minutes that he actually stopped talking. And he said to me, um, okay. And I said, this is on you. I said, this was not my fault. I said, I was willing to pay you. I said, you did not follow your process as a dealership the way you should have. I said, how you're talking to me, talking to me right now is not appropriate. And I said, how you're treating me as a customer, even less so. I said, you need to calm down and just give me a second and, and help me try and help you so we can get through this. I said, there's no reason why I can't call you in like two hours or on my lunch break and, and fix this for you. So that was the point from that, that point forward, he just, I mean, again, talking nonstop, just right over top of me. And so I set my phone down and put it, it's still on speakerphone. He's still talking. I walk out of my office. I go up, grab my wallet from my bedroom, <laughs> come back down, still talking. The guy's still, you know, well, you got to do a blah, blah, blah. You know, he's just going on and on. I sit down, I'm sitting there looking at the phone on my desk. And I said, um, he took a breath. Like I could hear him like, you know, breathe. And I said, are you done? And he stopped 
And he said, what do you mean? And I said, I just, in the time you were just yelling at me, I said, I just went and got my credit card and my wallet. That's all I was asking for was just give me time to do this appropriately. I'm like, I have my information for you. And I said, but you're, you're being rude. I said, we've gotten to that point where I was just like, dude, you're, you're being rude to me. You know, I just bought this expensive vehicle from your dealership to help, you know, which helps you. And you're sitting here treating me like garbage. And so, and, and again, I wasn't yelling. I never raised my voice. I was even killed. And he came back and he was like, well, you know, it's not my fault. It's, you know, it's the finance manager's fault and it's this guy's fault and everybody's fault, but him. And I said, well, you know, I'm not dealing with the finance manager. I'm dealing with you right now. You were the salesperson. You had the option to go through this paperwork and, and you didn't. And so at that point, um, he, you know, again, it was deflecting. He, he was not happy with the fact that I called him out on it. And so then he's like, well, you need to calm down. And so then all of a sudden it was my fault. And he's like, you need to do this and you need to do that. And I just took a breath and I said, uh, okay. I said, we're done with this conversation. Like I, I took control of it at that point. I said, we're done with this conversation. Um, if you would like the down payment for the money, I will give you my credit card right now. But this is, this is over. I said, I'm, I'm done working with you on this. And so I gave him the information, ended up hanging up, went and I emailed the, um, there's actually two sales managers. I emailed one of them and said, I do not ever want to talk to this gentleman again. Um, if I yeah. have to deal with your dealership, you talk to me because he was rude. This was not acceptable. I'm sure it was an automated text, but he sends me a, um, an automated text basically saying, Hey, rate how I did on Google, uh, on Google reviews. So of course I did. And, and I don't typically do reviews, but I went back in and I'm like, okay, you know, this, this is just not acceptable. I don't, you know, so I went through that. But what was interesting to me was um, a few days later, and I don't know, I don't think I shared this portion with you, but um, a few days later, the actual dealership sales manager contacted me and, mm. um, and he said, Hey, uh, you know, he left me a, a voicemail message on my phone and he said, Mr. McGarvey, I wanted to talk to you about your experience here. If you have some time, can you please call me back? And of course I wasn't going to call. I just, you know, at that point I'm like, I'm kind of done with this. Like I mm -hmm. want to be done. I don't want to call him. But then I thought, you know, he, he probably really needs to know how, you know, how this transpired and what went down and stuff. So I called him back and I said, do, do you have some time to talk about this? And he's like, yeah, do you have time? And, and I said, sure. So I basically spent like the next 20 minutes and what was interesting to me, and I don't think he was, I don't think the sales manager was, was very old. Um, I think he was a, a very young guy, probably just a tiny bit older than the actual sales salesperson. Mm. But what right away, what impressed me with him was he asked clarifying questions, but he never interrupted me. Like, he's like, Hey, let your, you know, let the story go. Tell me what happened. Explain. So I went through the entire story with him and then 
stop like when I finished, <clears throat> both of us sat there for, you know, probably 15 to 20 seconds, not saying anything. And so, you know, it's that uncomfortable pause. Like yeah, we're both yeah. in there. And I said, um, hello, did you hear me? All right. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay. Um, yeah. and he's like, you know, and I could tell he was, he was being sincere and he was thinking. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, I honestly, Mr. McGarvey, he said, I, I don't know what to, to tell you. He's like, you, he's like, you are 100% correct. This is not how we treat customers this whole experience. And I said, you know, I said, I walked in the dealership. I said, I could probably count on one hand, the number of newer vehicles that I've bought from a dealership. Um, and over my life, you know, my, my lifespan. And I said, I walked in with everything organized, everything ready to go. There was really no reason it should have taken that long. And there was no reason that it should have gone sideways like that. But and so he, again, he apologized and I just, I let him talk at that point. I wasn't mm -hmm. like, well, you know, I didn't jump, you know, jump into him. It was probably better that he called a couple of days later because I would have been, I mean, knowing myself, I probably would have been, you know, more yeah, frustrated yeah, yeah. and, and probably a little angrier if he had called me right after. Um, but you know, we had a good conversation and he's like, well, is there something I can do to, to make this better for you? Like to, to elevate your viewpoint of our dealership, which is well-deserved, but he's like, I want to change that. And at that point I said, you know, I said, you guys are on the North side of Columbus. I'm on the South side. I'm probably not going to bring this vehicle to you. You know, I'm not going to bring it to the dealership because it's just not convenient. And so he said, well, I'll tell you what he said, I understand that. I respect that. I respect the fact you probably don't ever want to come here and see us again. But he said, if you ever have, if you need anything ever for this vehicle, he said, please come see me directly. And he said, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and send you a gas card um, just to apologize because he's like, I know, you know, the vehicle you purchased was a, a larger vehicle. It, it, you know, it uses a lot of gas cause it's for your family. And he's like, I know that, um, you know, I know that'll help you out. And so at, at that point I did feel like, um, I, I felt like the conversation shifted. I did feel like he was being sincere and he said, I, I will tell you that, you know, I am going to address this with the salesperson, and, and we're going to look at doing some training and different things like that. And I said, well, I said, I have this guy that does some fantastic de-escalation <laughs> training. Um, but I started going into that with him. And honestly, yeah. and I said, yeah. you know, I said, saying, telling somebody that, I mean, I know he was trying to do his job. He makes money. That's what the salesperson was doing. But I said, telling somebody that they need to be quiet and calm down. I said, that's not really a way to effectively de-escalate a situation. And, um, and he said, no, you're absolutely right. He said, and, and I can't for the life of me, I don't know why he was talking over you and not letting you, you know, get a word in and, and why he was treating you that way. That's just not, that's not how we do business. So from that standpoint, I think that overall, um, and, you know, and you pointed out to me 
uh, and I'll, uh, I'll just say this and then I'll throw it over to you for your thoughts on all of this. But, and, and I didn't think about this until you actually mentioned it to me that uh, my son was there with me and you kind of reminded me and it, and it clicked in my mind that, you know, maybe it was a pro- it was more of a providential thing that, um, you know, while I was there, obviously I was getting frustrated because of the process and stuff. And I just kind of went with it. You know, I wasn't thinking, oh, look at me, I'm deescalating and I'm, I'm calm and everything. But you, you made the point and you pointed out that, you know, my son was, was with me and it set an example for him to see that I, mm-hmm. I yeah. wasn't getting irate and I wasn't, you know, going off the, you know, the deep end with, with this and expressing emotion in a, in a, um, unfiltered, you know, way to, to cause a, a problem or something like that. So, um, but yeah, I'll go ahead and throw it over, throw it over to you for your thoughts. Yeah. You know, that, and that's one thing that I'm all, I'm always trying to remind, uh, folks at my men's breakfast table every Tuesday morning here at church and, and with all my, my faith-based clients and all that ministry mindset, are you living it? Are you walking it? Cause it is so easy. And we've heard it a million times before in our lifetime. Uh, it's so easy, you know, it's easier said than done sometimes. And, and, and that's so true, but that's why I emphasize, that's why it's so critical that you maintain that self self-discipline and that situation awareness to recognize where you're at emotionally in that moment to make sure that you don't end up inadvertently saying you're doing something to escalate the situation. So I, and that's why I pointed out, I'm pointed out, I'm so glad your son was there to see that because there will be days when most likely as a human being, you will slip up, but he will know and have seen I've seen dad handle situations and this is the more appropriate way to do it. This is the right way to do it. You don't have to, uh, you can be upset, frustrated and impatient, but without becoming argumentative, combative and, 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 you know, a knucklehead, you know, unpacking that situation you had, man, you guys were on a razor's edge for, for almost the entire time that you're in contact with that salesman on a razor's edge of falling off and going off the rails on either side, beginning with him calling you, you, in all honesty, was trying to do the right thing to call them up and say, hey, uh, by the way, you know, I, I didn't drop sure. off to do this deposit. <laughs> and now all of a sudden he's talking to you in a very accusatory tone and demanding that you stop anything you're doing right now and make things change. And just being very almost antagonistic, very accusatory tone of voice, just attitude towards you could have been very offensive to you. And in fact, I think it was because you're taken aback. and you know, you could have absolutely have gone off on it because you were busy. You, you, you decided to answer the phone. And then all of a sudden now he wants to berate you. Are you kidding me? And you could see where, man, you are on a razor's edge, but fortunately you took that deep breath. Um, and and you just kind of, you know, let yourself kind of absorb what he's saying, just roll with it. And you did, uh, let him just vent, blah, blah, blah. You even had time to go grab your wallet and come back and he's still, you know, and, and, uh, and finally you, you get that worked out, um, which ended well. And then when you, when you had the opportunity to talk to the sales manager, he did the right thing in that he gave you the opportunity as, as a potentially irate disgruntled customer to vent if you had anything to vent. Fortunately, you by then had, as look, I, I mean, it is what it is. And you're able to explain it to him very calmly. And then you kind of allowed that moment of silence to kind of let things simmer. A lot of people and, and it's it's a very natural um, 
tempta- temptation. It's a very natural urge to fill that void, to fill that silence. I've, I've done it myself also. However, that's one of the most effective ways uh, that law enforcement and people use to, uh, to interrogate, depending on the situation. But silence can absolutely be a very effective tool, depending on the situation. In your situation, uh, this was very effective in that it gave both sides that opportunity. Both sides had that uh, self-discipline to recognize I don't have to say anything right now. I can just sit back, reflect on what we've just got done saying, properly compose what I'm going to say next before I have to say anything. And yes, even though the silence was only five to 10 seconds, it can seem like an eternity when you're in the moment, you know, <laughs> for sure. And this, right. And, and been there, done that. And, and there's a danger here, depending on the situation where people will, will get sucked down this rabbit hole where they feel like, you know what, I need to make the last comment. I need to make my comment mm-hmm. known, or I need to win this argument by this knockdown comment that I've been contemplating this whole time. And, and then they fill that void when they should have just kept quiet. Uh, yeah. you know, so that, that, and I'm so glad we had this opportunity to kind of unpack that because I want people to understand de-escalation skills and so on. Conflict de-escalation skills is a, is a, is a lifelong people interaction type skill. This is not just something you do at work or at church. It, it, it could be with your own family. You come home and you're having a bad day and the kids or the wife or, or someone, your uncle or whatever says something that just hits you wrong because you're having a bad day. And remember what I'm always emphasizing when, when you allow yourself to become frustrated, impatient, or offended by something someone, someone says or does, you increase the likelihood of popping off and ending, ending up saying or doing something that escalates it. Um, I, I will, I will admit to an incident earlier this year that I found myself in, uh, Mr. Gentle response instructor. <laughs> um, so I had, I had opened up another, uh, a sub account in my checking account at my credit union, and I was having trouble <clears throat> connecting and creating an online connection with that account. So I call customer service and sure. she starts to go through the routine of identifying me to make sure that I am who I say I am. Well, admittedly, I got frustrated because, you know, she's asking your name. uh, She's asking all this information, which I get. But it got to the certain point where I'm thinking, my gosh, you should know by now that I'm who I say I am. And I know the fix was very simple. I know that it. it, it, uh, I just got frustrated and it, (laughs) it started to come out in my. Oh, I know what it was. She this this was it. She asked me, do you know what the last three transactions were? And by then I was like, oh my gosh. And I don't remember what I said. And I probably responded to her in a snippy way because my wife in the kitchen suddenly turned around and caught my attention. And she goes, hey, she's just doing her job. And that was enough to kind of like, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. I'm the one who's frustrated and patient because I want to get connected with my account. She's just doing her job. Long, slow, deep breath. God passed it. A couple days later, I'm, I'm sharing that story with a friend of mine. And I'm kind of unpacking it and I'm admitting, you know, I got myself frustrated. And again, uh, we're talking about when you allow yourself to become frustrated or impatient or offended, it, it comes out in your voice. It comes out in the words you use. It comes out in your attitude. And I potentially could have escalated that that much further. So as we're talking about it, it hit me like a ton of bricks of what she could have done differently. Mm-hmm. I was already a little bit uh, impatient anyway, but but it did not help that her tone of voice the entire time was very monotone. 
She never said or uh, did anything. Hey, Mr. Riley, I apologize. Uh, could I, you know, she, there was nothing on her end in her tone of voice or attitude, the words she used that would validate and affirm me as a valued customer, client of the credit union. There was, sure. there was none of that. It was all there was no emotion. There was no emotion. And I said, yeah. you know what? It, it, that did not help me at my end. And I became that much more of impatient and all that. And so it was a, a reminder to myself also, hey, long, slow, deep breath. They're just doing their job. And some of them aren't as tactful or as communicable. They just don't have the people skills uh, as some other call takers and so on. And you just have to roll with it. So again, it was just yeah. one of those life moments that that I went through. It's a, it's a constant reminder. Conflict de-escalation skills, just interpersonal skills in and of itself, that this is just something to the day they carry us out feet first that we're going to be dealing with. And yeah. are we always going to get it right? No, because we're human. But it, it just emphasizes a point I always try to stress. Maintain that self-discipline, maintain that situational awareness, and maintain that ministry mindset. Because without it, sure. uh, I think it's in Hebrews, without it, people are not going to see God. You know, are you that example? Are you talking it? Are you walking it? And that's honestly, I mean, that's something that's really been kind of at the forefront of my mind lately is just, you know, as, as Christians, as believers, are we like, are we demonstrating that? Because people yep. really do pay attention to us more than we think people are paying attention to. And, you know, we, um, I think it's, it, I think it's been two, almost three years now. We, um, we've been working with a, uh, a church plant and, you know, that's been our church home. And so our church is really growing, which is fantastic. But what's interesting to me is that it's put a different perspective on like our church meets in an old village type area. And oftentimes, you know, I'll, I'll mention to my kids or even other adults that, maybe you're younger than me that because I'm one of the older people at the church, <laughs> um, you know, they'll, oh, <laughs> yeah, I'll say something like, Hey, if you're, you know, I'll tell my, I'll tell my kids, if you're going to walk down to Starbucks and grab a drink before the service, you know, remember, remember who you are, remember what you're doing in this in this community, you know, it's not, don't, you know, don't set that example of, because people are watching and people know that we, you know, that you go to this church and you come every Sunday. And so that sets, certainly sets the tone and example. Um, you know, we, one of my favorite places for, uh, for dessert is, is cold stone ice cream. Yeah. We were talking about that before. And I just love, um, and it's, it's a psychological thriller for me. My family's not real crazy about it, but, um, growing up, we used to have a, um, a, uh, place It was called the, the white mountain creamery and it was on main street and you could walk down there and you could, they would make the ice cream in front of you. And then, you know, they had toppings and they would mix stuff in. And this was, you know, this was almost 40 years ago before, uh, be certainly before cold stone, um, so to me, that's nostalgic. Like when I go there, it's like, Hey, I remember when my family used to take, you know, it was a special treat. We'd go out for ice cream, you know, maybe once a month and we would go to this place. And so 
I love going there. And oftentimes, you know, my wife will surprise me and she'll say, Hey, uh, I'm, I'm placing a, an Uber eats order or, you know, a DoorDash order for, for cold stone. Cause the closest one to us is a ways away. Um, but, uh, we had a sit, we've had a couple of situations lately with folks, you know, uh, DoorDash not delivering it, like stealing wow. it and, you know, not showing up. Yeah. Um, we've had issues with them not making the order correct, all of this stuff. Like the, the owner of the franchise is getting to know me personally <laughs> because of all of the, all of the challenges. And so in one, one of the most recent situations, um, they, they messed up an order and then on top of messing it up, you know, DoorDash just didn't deliver it. Somebody got wow. some great ice cream, you know, but so I call them. And I said, Hey, can you tell me how to handle this? Because we didn't get the ice cream that we paid for to be delivered. And I don't, you know, I mean, part of the delivery is the service is having it delivered. So I don't have to run out and get it, but I'm like, if you can remake the order, well, it was so confusing because the, the employees were so new and they had no idea. They're like, we used a gift card. We don't know if we can re refund that. What, you know, we just don't know how to handle this. So I said, okay. I said, if you can, I said, go ahead and remake the order. I'll drive over there. It's about 15 minutes. I'll pick up everything and I'll bring it back. And they, they were apologetic and they were apologizing and they were saying, you know, they said, that's fine. You know, we'll have it ready for you to go. So I walk in the, uh, in the shop. And of course, right away, they're like, are you, you know, are you Mr. Are you Mr. McGarvey? And I said, yeah, I, you know, so we talked back and forth. Well, the manager came over and she said, um, you know, I'm so sorry. We, we just hired a bunch of new people and they don't always understand how to do refund. Like we're training. And I said, you know yeah, what? Yeah. 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 That's fine. <clears throat> still a little bit upset because I had to drive, you know, and all of that inconvenience, the piece of it. And, um, so the gal, uh, that was the manager said to me, Hey, you know what? She kind of like walked, walked around the corner. She came over to me. She said, I, I really appreciate your being patient with all of this. And she's like, I understand you don't have to be, but she's like, we're trying to train and work through this. She's, she said, can I get you something? And I said, she's like, what's your, you know, what's your favorite ice cream with us? And so I told her and she's like, hang on just a second. So she goes back behind the counter and she makes me this dish of, you know, ice cream. That's my, you know, my favorite flavor yeah, and everything yeah, yeah. brings it back out. And she's like, you know what? She's like, this is on the house. Thank you for being a patient customer really appreciate you. And, you know, and, um, and we kind of moved forward. And what was amazing to me was, you know, I walked out and I, and I didn't mind. It was like, yeah, she engaged. She took that point of saying, Hey, I understand we messed up. I'm sorry. Let me, let me make it better and make that situation better. Now. I mean, obviously every situation that comes up, you're not going to have, um, you know, maybe you're not going to get a manager that is that cordial and nice or right. tries to go above and beyond or, you know, whatever the case is, but in, in life, it's, it's just crazy to me. And you know, I'm not going to draw this huge, massive message, you know, out of ice cream, but 
you know, to your point, to what you said earlier, the truth is that this is stuff that we deal with on a regular basis. And if I had gone in there, um, I was irritated. I'm not going to lie. Uh, you know, it right? was like, come on, why can't, yep. <laughs> why can't you guys yep. get this together? Yeah. But the, the reality was if I hadn't, if I had gone in there and I had been like in their face, like I paid yep. for this, what happened? Is it their fault? Not really. I mean, it's the no. delivery person. Um, yeah. They're a representative of that company. So yes, they're connected. But at the same time, you know, it's again, I, I just, I took a breath and I'm like, you know what? They know me, they know who I am now. And they know that, Hey, when, you know, when this order comes up, we, you know, is this guy going to go off on us? <laughs> you know, and I right, don't want, right, right. I don't want somebody <laughs> right. saying, well, this guy is a jerk. We don't want him coming in. Um, regardless of if it's, you know, if it's justified or not. So yep. Yep. realistic, realistically, I think that, um, I think all of us struggle with it. I, I don't think, I don't think it's something that we easily separate and say, you know what, I just do this at the church and I just, I apply right. this just right. in a church setting. Um, it really is something that, uh, that we need to be active with and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm doing this all the time, regardless. And, and honestly, as you do that, and as you do it more, it should become more of a second nature to the, the point of impacting in a positive way, impacting your ministry at church. Because from that standpoint, if you're always using this tool, and then you're placed in a situation where you have to try and calm someone down or deescalate a situation at church, then it should be more smooth for you to just take a breath and step in and say, okay. And that's, that's part of being empathetic is understanding where, you know, where that person's coming from um, to be able to, to adjust and to, to seek a really to seek a solution that's benefit, you know, that benefits all parties or is beneficial to everybody. So, so you could have got yourself that much more jacked up driving there 15 oh, minutes. Sure. You could have been simmering. And unfortunately, <laughs> I do have a couple of videos on my YouTube channel where I make com. I, you know, I do some commentary on some incidences that I find either on YouTube or in the news. <laughs> Thank you for joining the Church Safety Guys broadcast, brought to you by Vigilant Impact. We hope that you found it informative and we appreciate your feedback and interaction. Be sure to share our broadcast with your teams, join the discussion online, and connect with us on social media or at our website at churchsafetyguys.com. For other great ministry resources, download the Church Security app. Remember, keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and semper disciplina. Always be training. Have a blessed week. <laughs>